You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Marcello. Thanks for joining me a little late in the week for our first podcast, but uh, a lot of traveling to Fayetteville and uh, some other things came got in the way, but I'm finally able to sit down here in my office, record this podcast. Auburn, a you know, huge winner against Arkansas. You all know that, 51-10. to 10. We'll talk a little bit about it, but not really. We're, we're going to focus a lot on LSU, Auburn moving forward. Now this is, I mean, Auburn players were calling this LSU game do or die. If they want to be in the SEC race, they're going to have to beat LSU. You lose, you have two SEC losses, you're all but dead in the water. Um, because, I mean, let's face it, with the way LSU and Alabama are playing at this point, at most, the SEC West champion is going to finish with one loss. At least that's what it looks like. And with Auburn already having a loss, as we all know, at Florida, 24-13, uh, they can't afford another. So um, it's huge. And I want to get into that as far as, you know, there's a lot of talk. I know know I'm stammering here, but I'm trying to find a way to put this clearly. A lot of the national media, maybe not necessarily national media, but that's just kind of how it goes. A lot, there's been a lot more focus on LSU and their game at Alabama coming up in like two weeks because it sets up to be potentially number one versus number two. All LSU has to do is beat Auburn, which on paper should happen, right? Because Florida beat Auburn and then Florida went on the road to LSU and Florida got beat by 14 in a pretty close game until the fourth quarter. Um, so a lot of people are overlooking Auburn, um, I think LSU fans are to a certain extent, not all of them, obviously, and maybe not even the majority of them. You know, a lot of, a lot of broadcasters, people on the radio are overlooking Auburn. They just assume things that Auburn's going to lose. And that's not right or wrong of them. I mean, listen, when you're, it's just like this podcast, you, you share your own opinion. And when you take it from a 30,000 foot view and you look at it, you just go, well, Auburn hasn't won at LSU in 20 years. This LSU team's probably the best one they've had since 2011. Um, when Auburn faced them when they were actually, I think, number one in the nation. And, of course, LSU went on to the national championship game and lost to Alabama. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say here is I, I can understand, and hopefully you can too as a rational human being, if you look at it from the outside looking in, why there is this idea out there that there's that Auburn's being overlooked, and maybe r- rightly so to a certain extent, 
least you can you can understand what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying. What's what I'm trying to say? I guess you can understand the reason for that from a thirty thousand foot view. Having said that, it's a freaking top ten game <laughs> this weekend in Baton Rouge. Uh, it's insane to me to think that this game could be looked at as uh, just this is just another you know hurdle before LSU goes and plays Bama. I mean, sure, it's a hurdle and it's a big hurdle, but it's a top ten matchup. It's Auburn's second top ten matchup, I think. Uh, for LSU, this is what their third top ten matchup of the season. So, um, obviously, a huge test for both programs. Um, and I guess to assume that Auburn's going to lose big, which a lot of people are doing, and when I'm talking to people. Um, it might be a little bit off base. That's my opinion. Now, but I can also understand the, why people think that could happen. One, uh, you see the money moving in Las Vegas. Auburn right now is 11.5 point underdog on the road. As we all know, Auburn, and as I've said, Auburn hasn't won at LSU since 1999. Um, Auburn, the past two seasons, more recent history, which is more important to me than anything and should, and obviously should be in a game like this when it comes to similar talent and same players playing against each other. Auburn's built leads against LSU in each of the last two seasons and blown those leads. Last year at home against LSU, Auburn was up, what was it, 21-10 uh, to 10 or 21-13, to 13, I know, in the fourth quarter – and end up losing that game on last second field goal. Um, 2017, Auburn's up 20 to nothing. 20 to nothing. Aubie's wearing a Troy Trojans outfit to kind of poke fun at LSU, which had lost to Troy earlier in the season. And, you know, what happens? LSU adjusts on defense. Auburn's trying to run out the clock and be one-dimensional, not having success running the ball. Um, they were getting close to like 20 straight times running the ball on first downs. Um, I actually discussed this with Gus, Gus Malzahn off to the side on Tuesday, and he, he was almost taking offense to it. Like, well, it was, it was working for the most part, and I wanted to go, not really. If it was working, you've been picking up first downs and melting the clock. But there's a lot of moments in that game that they, I'm sure they could have, wish they could have back. But Gus Malzahn said it, he called a bad game, and uh, it haunts him. But... You know, sometimes, especially when things happen in recent history and it's a bitter pill to swallow, especially, you know, losing 27 to 23 after you're up 20 to nothing in a place that you hadn't won since 1999, uh, you know, it can be hard to admit to your mistakes, especially to a stupid reporter like me who's not a coach and be like, hey, we should have ran more inside zone here instead of, I mean, not, you know, it's not what I was saying, but. Um. Anyway, uh, so uh, the story for me going into this LSU game, there's a couple, obviously, but the thing for me here is Auburn's really not being given a, much of a shot. Um, from a thirty thousand you know foot view, Auburn fans, I think, feel like, hey, there's a potential there, and I think the reason why you should feel confident that Auburn's got a shot to beat LSU is because of Auburn's defense and Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown and what they've been doing. They've been incredible. On the other side of that, the defense, they've got to pick off Joe Burrow. they got to find ways to slow him down. He is the best quarterback Auburn is going to face all season, and I put him over Tua at Alabama. 
who's hurt right now, by the way. I put him over to it. I think Burrow is the Heisman favorite at this point. If he continues on this incredible run here where he's completing nearly 80% of his passes, and he's not just doing it with slants or short passes and screens. The guy's throwing down the field. They've got incredible receivers. They have an incredible quarterback. They have found a way over this last year to develop an offense to Joe Burrow's strengths, to the receiver's strengths, and boy, do they look amazing. The only offense that I think is comparable to theirs as far as entertainment value and just fantastic execution is Oklahoma right now. Alabama, we've all watched them. They're scoring a lot of points, and they're definitely up there. They're one of the top five offenses as far as being able to watch and go, wow. But Alabama's doing it mostly through short passes and everything, and an incredible quarterback in Tua. Um, and, I, you know, I think they're going to miss him a little bit here these ne- this next week or so. Um, Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but I don't think Tua is quite on that level of Joe Burrow right now as far as the offense fitting around him. All of those offenses I just mentioned, all three of those, Oklahoma, LSU, and Alabama, are elite. I mean, these are – rarely have we seen, you know, teams that these elite programs where they're, you know, you know blue-chip programs have offenses like this all at the same time, and it's really incredible. So for Auburn, they've, they've got to find a way to slow Burrow down. LSU's only scored under 40 points once all season. They're averaging more than 50 points a game, guys. Um, and they scored 36 at Mississippi State last week and won by 23 still. Um, that's the only game they've been held under 40. And now they're and that was on the road. Now they're heading back home, 2.30 p.m. Central Time game on CBS. Can Auburn hold them down? That is, that is so key. There's so many keys to this game. But to me, this big story is... Auburn's defense, can they slow down Joe Burrow? And I, I'm gonna, I'm probably going to do a story on this later in the week, or at least put it in a story somewhere. I don't know if it's an entire story on in itself. I have to go back and look. See, guys, you know you know me on podcasts. You know, I don't sit here and plan out the, you know, map out the entire show. I just want to talk to you guys like we're sitting down and you're asking me questions. By the way, we're going to get to your questions. We'll ask you for your questions on Twitter, and you guys oblige, and I'm going to answer them here in a little bit. But, you know, I don't believe Kevin Steele's defense at Auburn, since he's been here this three-plus seasons now, this now this being his fourth season, has ever allowed 30 points by an offense. I don't think that's happened as far as an offense itself scoring 30 points. And LSU scoring under 30 points this weekend would be a disappointment (laughs) for them and their fan base because they are just scoring at will, as I mentioned. So if Auburn's going to have a shot at at winning this game in the Bayou where they haven't won in 20 years, when Tommy Tuberville was in his 40s and was smoking a cigar along with some players, and it was 1999 before the turn of the century, before Bo Nix was nothing but a you know, glimmer in his daddy's eye. It's uh, it's going to be up to the defense. 
Auburn's offense obviously has to move the ball and score. Duh. But if Auburn's defense just has an off day or not an off day, but if LSU just continues to do what it does, there's no way Auburn wins this game. Auburn cannot be in a shootout with LSU. They're not going to, they're just not going to win it. There's no way. Not on the road. Not going to happen. Auburn cannot be in a 30 or a game where they've got to score 35 points to win. It could be 31, 28, but they, they're not, they're not be going to win a game where they have to score 38 points to, to beat a 35 point score or 35 to, you know, 32 or whatever. It's, it's going to be difficult, very difficult. And so for that 30,000 foot view, as I mentioned, you could see why everybody just looks at LSU Auburn and goes, well, Auburn already had a big test on the road at Florida, and they did not look good offensively. And their defense did very well, but the dam broke twice on that long touchdown run in the fourth quarter and, of course, on that long pass play for the touchdown on what was it, the first or second offensive play of the game. So it's going to be difficult. This is, the mo- this is the most explosive. And that was, listen, that Florida offense was pretty pedestrian. This LSU offense is by far the best offense, obviously, Auburn has faced this season and will probably face all season, and they have to do it on the road. So if you want to break a 20-year streak, not only do you have to do it by snapping history and the cigar curse or whatever you call it, but you have to do it against maybe the best LSU team in at least eight years, if not longer, because of that offense. And a lot of people talk about their defense not being very good, but if you look at the numbers – they're doing very well. Um, and more importantly, Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator there, is a fantastic in-game adjuster. And so this is going to be a very big challenge for Gus Malzahn to make adjustments because as we've seen in previous games, Tulane and last week even at Arkansas, there's been lulls with the offense in the second quarter. They do that at LSU, they're going to lose. Unless Auburn's defense just comes out and smacks Joe Burrow in the mouth, causes turnovers, wreaks havoc. But LSU's just too good offensively to, to allow that happen, I think. Especially because they, they can do it all, as I mentioned. They could throw it over the top. They can do the slants. They can do the quick game. Very, I mean, Auburn's going to have – I'm not going to say you have to play a perfect game, but, I mean, they're going to have to play their best game by far this season to win it. And so – it's going to be fun to cover and watch, guys. I mean, listen, don't think Auburn's just going to go in there and lose because of history and everything I just said. I think it's going to be a fun game, and I think I, Auburn's got a shot here. I think a little bit of a better shot than maybe Vegas is giving them an opportunity. I could see this being a touchdown game either way. Um, but I tell you what, it goes a long way. This Auburn defense is incredible, guys, and it would be a darn shame – if Auburn wins less than nine games with this defense, with all these seniors, because they are so, so good, guys. And if they win eight games this year or less, and then that all those guys leave next season, ooh, man, oof. This, this defense deserves better. But sometimes life doesn't work that way, not necessarily because it's unfair, but because your schedule is just so tough and it just so happens LSU, you got LSU, Georgia, and Alabama – remaining on your schedule and we'll talk about those other teams down the road I, I think Auburn's going to beat Georgia I've been saying it all year you guys know that but we'll see about LSU this week um those are just my kind of opening week thoughts on all that 
Um, but the players seem kind of peeved off by the idea that they're looked at as such big underdogs, that there's some people out there overlooking them, some people completely discounting the idea of Auburn being a contender in the SEC and as a result in the national title race. And it'll be interesting to watch how they respond on the road. And offensively, how Bo Nix responds on the road in his second uh, really uh, big road environment start. Because last week at Arkansas was... That was a spring game. <laughs> that, that Arkansas crowd was terrible, and the team was worse. Um, so that's how it goes, guys. All right. I'm going to get to your questions right after this break. Be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thanks for joining me. And we're, we're going to answer your questions, or I, I'm going to answer your questions. So you love it when people say we, and you're only talking about yourself. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to answer your questions, guys. Um, consider this an ask me anything type thing. I do I do an ask Marcelo anything um, uh, topic on our message board every single week. And so that's for our VIP subscribers. We go in real depth, in depth with some stuff. But I, I like being able to, you know, come on here and, and answer your questions as well as the podcast. Um, some are good. Some are just out of left field. Some of you are just creepy, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting questions about very personal things, and it's kind of bothersome. All right. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Jason from Priceville asks, will T-Will succeed... Kevin Steele is defensive coordinator. Oh, here we go. We're already looking into the future. We're not even talking about this season. Um, personally, listen, I think Travis Williams is a heck of a coach, heck of a linebacker's coach, and he's going to be a defensive coordinator at some point. I just don't know if you elevate him to the level of defensive coordinator within the next year or two in the SEC. I mean, he was a graduate uh, assistant or analyst or whatever. Just a few years ago, guys, guys, let's, re I mean, let's remember that. And I know you, you don't, assign age to experience or well, excuse me, age to whether someone can do well, but you need experience. He hasn't called plays before on this level. And, and really I think he's got to go get a defensive coordinator job somewhere else, not in the sec, not in a power five before improve himself before he can be maybe an sec defensive coordinator. Don't mean it doesn't happen, but I, I just don't see that being just an easy transition. If that, if that were to happen, if Kevin Steele were to leave or whatever. So, 
Uh, Auburn Chris asks, my gut is saying we get pummeled Saturday. Can you take talk me off the ledge? Uh, Auburn Chris, listen to the first half of the podcast. Auburn's defense is just so good. They're, they got a chance to be in the game, and that's all you ask for on the road in the SEC against a top 10, I mean, goodness, top two team. They'll, they'll be fine, I think. Auburn Bob asks, is Harold Joyner going to be the man? Uh, no, I don't think so, no. A lot of you have been in love with him because he's six foot four, and then he had that touchdown run against Arkansas where he wasn't touched against their backups late in the fourth quarter. He's not going to be suddenly a guy that they're handing the ball to 10, 15 times a game. That's what you're wondering. Uh, Daniel Killian asks, pretend you're an Auburn fan. You get to tell Coach Malzahn one thing, and he will do it. What is it? Um, I think Rob Pate, former Auburn defensive back, as you guys know, he writes a column for us. I think he made a good point in his recent column. I, I would give, I would say, hey, you need to give uh, 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 Bo Nix more, more freedom so when he gets run out of the pocket, he's got someone that releases off a block, a tight end, or someone, or a receiver to check down to. It's kind of his safety valve. He needs more of that. So that's what I would say. So you need to do that. You need to develop that, and you get that in the system. But this point in the year, if you're not doing it now, you might have to wait till the next bye week. Uh, Hank Williford asks, hey, Brandon, loved what we saw on Saturday against Arkansas. Couldn't help but notice. <laughs> Couldn't help but notice. Oh, man. Couldn't help. That's old joke, inside joke. Couldn't help but notice the lack of Will Hastings and Eli Stove in the passing game. Any thoughts on whether we see more targets for them in addition to our top two guys this week? Love your content. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, first off, Hank, I appreciate uh, you reading our, our stuff. Um, uh, secondly, um, how do I put this? Will and Eli are kind of lost in the mix now because of Anthony Schwartz and uh, Seth Williams both being on the field at the same time. Doesn't mean they don't have an opportunity to contribute like Sal Canella or, or even Sean Shivers and others. It's just that things are changing a little bit. And we've yet to see a game in Will Hastings' career against a top-tier Power 5 team where he's just gone off or had a big game. And I... Listen. I I hate talking down, kids. And I'm not talking him down. But if, if Will Hastings isn't catching the ball against a really bad Arkansas team his home state team and his last game playing in front of friends and family at Arkansas and he doesn't get a catch. Do, do you think that's going to be something that comes to LSU? Hey, may, maybe, maybe Gus is hiding something. I know that, that that's the, always the, the hope and the dream uh, that they're disguising things and they're hiding something to break out against LSU. But we'll quite have that breakout game yet. And I just, I mean, time's ticking. It literally is. For, as for Eli, I think he's a kind of a victim of Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams more than anybody stepping up, especially Anthony Schwartz. But he's still got a role, most definitely. Uh, Callie Foshizzle asked, did you win a t-shirt last Saturday during the Arkansas mobile t-shirt toss? Yeah, that was silly. That Arkansas did this virtual 
uh, t-shirt toss where you had a, where you had to download an app and point it at the screen or something inside the stadium when they did a virtual augmented reality t-shirt toss. It was weird. The only th- thing I could think of the reason why they did it is because I remember a few years back or actually longer than that, you know, one of those t-shirt cannons, they were, they had it on the ground and I guess it overheated and then it exploded and hurt someone like really badly too. And I, I think they got rid of them. They, they don't do them at Arkansas anymore. So that might be why they're doing the virtual t-shirt tosses there. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Bailey Rogers asked any more info on the Nick Coe situation. You felt like he was having a quiet year, but this news came out of nowhere, especially after the offseason talk of him playing four positions. Yeah, Bailey, it's interesting. I mean, and Gus Malzahn's kind of made no secret about how he's had he needs to step up on and off the field. Um, it's all going to depend on how he performs in practice this week. I thought it was interesting. We were talking to Jeremiah Denson and uh, Marlon Davidson, and the defensive guys, guys are really tight. They're really tight. And Marlon and Nick are very good friends. And Marlon's like, Hey, I think he's going to step up. Um, he talked to him last week about how he needs to make some changes. Um, he was very frank about it, uh, to the reporters when Martin, when Marlon was speaking to us about Nick Coe. So we'll see. He needs to step up. I mean, listen, he, he led the team in sacks last season and tackles for loss or second tackles for loss, I believe. Seven sacks was number one on the team, and he's just kind of disappeared this year. And he, I mean, he was a legit, you know, NFL prospect. And if he wants to be an, a legit NFL prospect again, he's going to have to get in line and figure things out. He was benched against Arkansas, didn't play against Arkansas. Coach's decision. He's going to have to ramp it up this week. I mean, this is a huge week, huge week. This is the biggest week of the season so far. There's a lot of big weeks, but. You lose this game, you're out of the SEC West race. Uh, Mark, the Godfather, asks: Should Auburn play more zone defense against five receivers and with a great pass rush? Yeah, hey, uh, I, I like that, Mark, the Godfather. But that's just kind of like not Auburn's mo. They, they like to play man. They like to play press man. They like to just rush four. Sometimes they'll bring in a blitz here and there. But if it works, don't don't tweak it. I guess. But we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I have I haven't heard that talk. I'll just say that. Paul McGowan asks, will the defense finally not leave the middle of the field wide open for big plays? Slants are killing them when linebackers blitz. Well, if linebackers aren't blitzing, then the middle of the field won't be open. Okay. Uh, Sneaky Ghost asks, are you left-handed? I am not. I am right-handed. But I uh, kick a soccer ball or kick ball with my left uh, leg, which is weird. I've always been like that. I don't know why. Uh, Billy Breathes asks, would this offense generate better running lanes for running backs with Joey Gatewood at quarterback? Can Joey Gatewood throw as well as Nick Marshall? You know, I don't know. That's a that's a very complex question. And some people, there's this whole weird small movement of like Joey Gatewood needs to start. Guys, no. I've, the best quarterback on this team is Bo Nix. Joey Gatewood's good, but Bo Nix is the best quarterback on the team. Scott Amerson asks, which number has to be higher to win, rushing or passing? Rushing, all day. Auburn rushes for 250 yards against LSU. They beat them. A lot of questions about Nick Coe, which I've already answered. 
Play Candy asks, if it rains, that's got to be advantage for Auburn, right? Not necessarily, no. Because um, Auburn's going to need to throw the ball, too. Um, even if LSU, quote-unquote, you know, throws the ball more than Auburn, Auburn's got to throw the ball, too. And then here's the other thing. You know, Auburn's going to be playing running backs other than Cam Martin. Well, Cam Martin's not really accustomed to it, either, having to carry the ball more. And doing it in a very, very loud environment against an aggressive defense. So I, I don't think it gives anyone an advantage. I mean, it gives a team, whichever team turns the ball over the most is not going to have the advantage, obviously. But I think both teams are, you know, it hurts both if it's wet. We'll see if, if it's raining at game time. Um, but they do a pretty good job keeping those footballs dry, you know, in between drives. You know, they cover them up and then put them out there at the last moment. We'll see, but anyway. Uh, Jared Sinski asks, will we see more outside runs for Sean Shivers and Cam Martin at LSU, or is Malzahn set on having them go up the middle still? You know, I don't know Gus's plan from that standpoint as of, as of as this recording, but I'll say this. I think Sean Shivers is better between the tackles than he is outside. I've said that the last few weeks. It's kind of what he's built to do, even though he's a smaller guy. Uh, Cam Martin... Same thing. He can bounce it inside, but the way Auburn's going to have to be successful is run it, run it in the middle and then bounce outside from there. Do some counters after that. What is the attitudes? Ricky Aldrich asks, what is the attitudes during practice? What is the attitude at during practice, I guess you mean? Do you get the feeling of 2017? I think the defense's attitude is one of a championship team. The offense is just a work and prod, you know, you know, uh, process here. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Andrew Atkins asks, what does Auburn have to do to have a chance? Got to run the ball effectively, and the defense has got to come up with stops. It's as simple as that. I mean, that really, I mean, that's just, that's been the secret, not secret, it's not even a secret, that's been the element of success for Gus Malzahn's teams for as long as he's coached. Trevor wants to know, can you find out why the linebacker from North Carolina decommitted and if he's still considering Auburn? No, I don't cover recruiting. Um, my guess is he's going to go to North Carolina. So, you know. That's just how it goes. One person didn't even ask me a question. They just made a statement. Need to see more DJ Williams and Harold Joyner. I'm sure that Seth, Schwartz, and Hastings will be cover all day. Will we I understand the language here. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, when you ask about attitude and practice and everything, you know, we're not allowed to go to practice, but I talk to people. Um, that The defensive guys are just – I'm telling you guys – it, it would be a darn shame if they don't win nine games in a regular season with this defense. They're just that good, and they're good guys, and they're really good communicators. There are several players on this team. One, they're going to get drafted, but two, there's several players on this defense that are going to be stars in the NFL. And it would be a shame if they don't win nine games this year and then have a chance to win ten in the bowl game. So... Um, we'll see, I guess. 
Anyway, that's going to do it for me on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Much more coverage at auburn.247sports.com. We'll hopefully have a roundtable podcast later this week to dive deeper on LSU and Auburn's chances at the upset of number two LSU and breaking that cigar curse of 20 years. Check it out. Everything is at auburn.247sports.com. I've been Brandon Marcello. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 